Hello again, friends, and welcome back to another edition of the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast, this time reviewing Mid-South Wrestling Television from July 9th, 1983, taped on July 6th, 1983 at the Irish McNeil Boys Club in Shreveport, Louisiana. I am the great Brian Last, my pleasure to be with you once again, and joining me, as he does each and every week, from Booking the Territory, the menace to society, Mike Mills. Mike, how are you today? I'm doing good. I'm looking forward to this episode. We got, you know, Hacksaw Butch Reed versus Mr. Wrestling 2 later on in the show. But uh, the main event on this week's episode might actually be Bill Watts' visit to a correctional institution in Oklahoma and his thoughts on the inmates there and whatnot. And that's all I will say at this point. I cannot let you just put a tease like that out there and not get right to it. So let's get right to it because we usually play the show open. There's almost no open this week. They go to the desk and it's Boyd saying, hi, welcome to another week of Mid-South Wrestling. There's too much going on this week. Let's go to the ring. And that's it. They go right to the ring with no usual preamble about everything that's going to happen. And the opening tag match, Johnny Rich and Magnum TA versus Doug Vines and Ralph Williams, Big Boy Williams, two ICW veterans there, with Joel Armstrong as the referee. Mike, any thoughts or notes about this match before we play the audio? I honestly don't have thoughts because the audio is going to be so good. and I, Maybe I shouldn't oversell it. I don't really have thoughts, I, but I will have thoughts after we hear the audio. Well, let's go to this audio right now. Cowboy Bill Watts. Armstrong looking around out there trying to stay out of the way. It's tough on a referee in a tag team bout. I was at Connors Correctional Institute in Hominy, Oklahoma a couple of weeks ago and visiting some of the inmates there, and it was good to see that they watch championship, our Mid-South Wrestling out of Tulsa, Oklahoma each week. We're a great bunch of guys. Magnum T.A. I think every youngster should see a correctional institute and see what it is when you've done something that costs you your freedom. Because it would be a lesson that's like one picture's worth 10,000 words in that situation. The guys I saw knew they uh, were paying for what they'd done, and they seemed to have good attitudes about it. Well, there it is. Cowboy Bill Watts visiting the inmates at the correctional institute. Bunch of great guys over there. And then he almost does an about face. Like, well, they're paying. <laughs> they know they're doing time. They lost their freedom. Children should see how these men are living right now. This is another case where Watts, you know, I mean, the matches, it's Magnum and Johnny Rich against Doug Vines and Ralph Williams or Big Boy Williams. So, I mean, it, it's, it's essentially a nothing happening match as usual. You, you figure with what we've seen lately from even Johnny Rich and, and of course, Magnum, this is not going to be a competitive match, and Magnum and Johnny are going to pretty much dominate, and that's what ends up happening here. So Watts, he's got to fill up some time, and, well, why not fill up time by talking about the Correctional Institution in Oklahoma that he visited last week and how the guys that were there told him how much they love wrestling. Of course. I mean, hey, they're watching Mid-South in the prisons, too. And then Watts goes on to say that every youngster should see the inside of a correctional facility so that they know you know, what doing wrong can do to you. And he then, you're right, he has to throw in there at the end, you know, the guys there, they seem to understand what was going on and they were just paying their 
get to society. Bill Watts, everybody, going down the road of filling up some time while a match that the end was never in doubt. Uh, he's got to fill up some time and talk about correctional institutions in Oklahoma. I wish there was footage of that, of him visiting the correctional institute. They're watching TV out of Tulsa. He's the biggest star in Tulsa wrestling history. It must have been the biggest deal in the world for him to show up there. I, I would think so. I mean, look, I'm going to assume that wrestling uh, on television in a prison or correctional facility would probably, uh, you know, a lot of the guys there would love to watch the wrestling. I mean, I, I don't know why they wouldn't. I do agree with Watts on one thing, though. Every young person should see what it looks like in a prison and how people actually live. I feel like I agree with that only because, you know, it might have an effect on you in wanting in saying, man, I never want to be in a place like that. And I don't know. I, I kind of agree with Watts there when he says that, even though he got it. I don't know. He, he, he was essentially just filling up time. But I do agree. You know, it, let me say it like this. It would not hurt a youngster to see the inside of a correctional facility and to see how it looks and operates and to know that, hey, I never really want to end up in a place like that. I like that he's talking about it and then he breaks it up and then he comes back. But all he does to break it up is he's talking about it. He goes, bunch of great guys in there. Magnum T.A. And they're paying their debt to society. <laughs> just, he just says yes. the name Magnum T.A. to break it up. And then he jumps right back into it. Yes, yes, of course. You know, that, that's good old Bill Watts on commentary. But good, it was good. You know, it was fine. I, I, I had no problem with it. Good for him bringing that up. And you're right. You said it a second ago. When he walks into that facility, man, those folks knew who he was. They had to. It's a pretty good little match here. Magnum T.A. and Johnny Rich win. And this is notable. When Magnum T.A. hits the belly-to-belly -belly suplex on Big Boy Williams, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, this is the first time we've seen Magnum hit the belly-to-belly -belly in Mid-South Wrestling. Yeah, I, I believe you're right there. I was trying to remember and looking at some of my notes from previous ones and recalling what we watched in previous ones. I believe it is the first time he does do the belly-to-belly. -belly. I will say, though, he did hit the atomic drop before the belly-to-belly, -belly, so he still went with the atomic drop. He just capped it off with the belly-to-belly, -belly, so... Uh, and I do believe it was the first time we've seen it on Mid-South Television. From there, we get footage from Houston, Texas, June 24th, 1983, a bull rope match, Dusty Rhodes versus Nick Bockwinkle, with Dusty Rhodes on commentary. During this match, DiBiase and King Kong Bundy run in, and Dusty says that he now wants a tape fist match with King Kong Bundy. Any thoughts about this, Mike? Again, this is just kind of appeared out of nowhere in the middle of the show. Yeah, it did. It's leading up to the next Superdome show. But, you know, like you said, Watts throws it to here, and we got Dusty on commentary. And then Dusty, he's voicing over this entire match with Bachwinkle. Brian, do you remember, I'm trying to remember the month it would have been in 82. Feels like it was early in 82. Do you remember when Dusty did commentary on Mid-South TV uh, with Boyd? Do you recall that episode or episodes? I think so. That was the beginning of 1982. That's what I thought it was, and I was trying to remember. I watched so much wrestling, I can never remember when something exactly was. But anyway, my thoughts on Dusty here was, Dusty, he was okay in a comedic way at WCW as a color commentator. Brian, would you agree with that or disagree? I would disagree with that. I hated him as a color commentator. Okay, I, I found him entertaining, and I used to pop and laugh. Now, I can see how someone would not like him. But I just recall, I was actually watching this uh, a couple of weeks ago in Booking the Territory. We were watching the Sullivan and Benoit match. 
that they had uh, where they end up in the bathroom and they slam the, the bathroom stall door in each other's heads. There's a woman in the bathroom with a baby and Dusty's kid. Oh my God, there's a woman in the bathroom with the baby right now. And it, so it, it was funny. I, I, I actually found him entertaining at times, but I can see how it just wouldn't do it for you. But the point I'm making is he was better on color than he was play by play. Play by play, Dusty, oh my God, is the worst. He is terrible as a play by play guy. At least the matches I've seen and experienced where he's doing play by play. And he's even worse doing play by play on his own match. I'm not going to argue with you <laughs> on this point. <laughs> but like you said, they're building up King Kong Bundy versus Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, yeah. And that, this is, that's why they inserted this in here. And that's, that's it. That's why you get the finish you get and, and DiBiase interfering and then um, Bundy coming in and, and laying out Dusty and beating down Dusty at the end of it. From there, we get our next match, a handicap match. King Kong Bundy versus Jerry Caldwell and Ron Ellis. Alfred Neely, the referee. Dusty Rhodes is looking for Bundy, but he's not the only one. Let's hear Cowboy Bill Watts on commentary. Can you imagine King Kong Bundy at 420 pounds, then with his fists taped all the way to the elbow? That'd be like having a club, a 420-pound club. You know, Steve, Dr. Death Williams has just returned from playing football with the New Jersey Generals in the United States Football League. He said he went down to the boardwalk in Atlantic City to check out the reputation of King Kong Bundy. And he said it's not something you'd be proud to write home to your mother about. More like people being beat up on the beach, things happening to people, telephone booths being smashed. It's not a reputation made out of athletic ability, more of complete terrorism, more of a bully. And of course, Bundy has taken on one of the greatest bullies in wrestling. The American Dream, but he came from behind on Dusty when he was hung up and tied to Nick Bockwinkle by a bull rope and couldn't get free. King Kong Bundy, the Atlantic City Avalanche. I'd like to match that with Dr. Death in the Oklahoma Stampede. Dr. Death, a four-time All-American at Oklahoma University in amateur wrestling. Pro football player for the USFL New Jersey General. Well, there you hear a little on commentary about Dr. Death, Steve Williams returning to Mid-South Wrestling, but while up in New Jersey, playing for the USFL, he went to Atlantic City and just started asking around on the boardwalk about King Kong Bundy's reputation. It's a funny visual, if you think about it. Dr. Death just walking up to random people. Hey, what do you know about King Kong Bundy? <laughs> just, I don't know. What's he doing? Like, walking through <laughs> the casinos and, <laughs> and asking questions? <laughs> just random. You know who King Kong Bundy is? What do you know about him? <laughs> like, come on, man. You'd, you'd, you'd be taken for a crazy man if you did that. Like, uh, it, it, give it to Watts' imagination here and coming up with something. Uh, maybe I feel like he could have come up with something better there. That, I don't know what it is, but that felt really random and whatnot as Dr. Death, who just happens to be playing for the New Jersey Generals. Like, uh, that's the other part of it, you know, up in Jersey. it's That just randomly happened, and I think Watts, that's Watts' way of kind of trying to spin that story to where Dr. Death all of a sudden is walking around. What do you know about Bundy? You know anything about his reputation? Any pointers you can give me? Yeah, let me just walk up to a couple of civilians and ask him that. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, Bundy destroys these two guys, getting the five count on both. He just stacks them up and pins them both at the same time. From there, Mike, we get a couple of recaps. We get a recap of the Hacksaw Duggan Johnny Rich match versus Boris Zerkov and Mr. Olympia, the one where Ted DiBiase ran in and his cast got smashed into little bits very easily. 
And then he put on a black glove and then a recap of Ted DiBiase and Mr. Olympia versus Hacksaw Duggan and the JYD. This is the match where Mr. Olympia got posted and King Kong Bundy took his place, eventually leading to Hacksaw Butch Reed attacking the Junkyard Dog. Any last thoughts about any of these? I know we covered them in previous episodes. Did it, I'm trying to remember if um, I thought Watts said in one of these recaps as he was throwing to and from. I think we talked about that cast of DiBiase's being Plaster of Paris, and Watts actually said that's what it was. Like, I think we speculated on what that cast was made of, and I thought Watts kind of confirmed it here, maybe in, in one of the recaps and throwing to and from. So that was the only other note that I have. He he confirmed that, and that's why the cast, quote-unquote, exploded. Even though, even if you've got a Plaster of Paris cast, the way that thing exploded, I don't remember Plaster of Paris exploding the way it did. So maybe it was already pre-chiseled and cracked. Who knows? Maybe they used Ron Wright's chisel on it in a few different places. That way it would explode. That was the only other additional note that I had, though, Brian. Coming out of that, we get another match. Mr. Wrestling 2 versus Hacksaw Butch Reed. Rick Ferreira as the referee, the first time we've seen him on TV in a while. Let's hear some commentary from the opening minutes of the match about Mr. Wrestling 2 and the national championship, which he had the last time we saw him on Mid-South TV, as well as a letter that Bill Watts has received about Mr. Wrestling 2. Boy, they're going right at it, I guarantee you. Of course, Wrestling 2 is really boiling. He had won the national heavyweight title in Atlanta, Georgia, and it was taken away from him and awarded back to Larry Zabisco without even a decision against Wrestling 2. He's really been upset about it. Of course, Wrestling 2, a legend in his time against... Hacksaw Butch Reed, the powerhouse, former All-American football player, former Kansas City Chief. Real quickly, got an interesting letter from W.E. McCoy of Okemo, Oklahoma. Ooh. Reed driving to him, but two like a bulldog, hanging on. He's tenacious in that front face lock. Mr. McCoy and his wife have 176 years in combined age. They said, but we are in better than average health, had good transportation, and really enjoying ourselves. And it's great when I hear from the senior citizens that are driving long distances to see Mid-South Wrestling. Well, there we hear some audio. And first, let me make a correction. I said it was a letter about Mr. Wrestling 2. It was actually a letter from senior citizens. I guess because it was about senior citizens in my mind, it went right to Mr. Wrestling 2. But <laughs> combined age of 176, 178, I forget what he just said, but they're still attending wrestling each and every week. Hey, man, wrestling was so much better when the old people were in the front row or the second row cheering on their heroes and wanting death wished upon their villains. And you got to respect that, man. And I, I don't know if that letter was real or not. I should have looked up the name. It that had he said to be. It, Why would he just make that up? It had to be real. Well, with Watts, I always wonder because he makes stuff up. But at the end of the day, that's a beautiful story, even if it's a work, because as you would agree now, and I've had this discussion with a number of people I know, my friends Sean Sparks and many other fans out there who are who are wrestling fans, there are not enough old people in the crowd anymore. It's just, I think I've, I don't know if I've told you this story. Like I went to ROH a couple of summers ago in the uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area. And, you know, there's a good 1,200 people in, in uh, the building where we were at. And you you look around and it's nothing but young, mostly white males and there's a few ladies don't get me wrong not a lot but they were more than i think most people realize but there was no old people there were literally only two old people 
And I made a joke to Doc a couple of weeks ago on, on Booking the Territory. We were talking about it. And, and I said, like, these two old people, like, they were old enough where I know these people were at the Sportatorium in Dallas back in the day. But, you you know, they were younger, obviously, but the, you just don't see old people. And these, they were the only two old people at this show. And if you contrast that with, you know, like we're looking at right now with the Irish McNeil, I mean, we're starting to see younger people here. But if you recall, we first started this from 81 and 82. There was nothing but old people on the front row. A couple young girls, don't get me wrong, uh, next to Hank's wife or Hank's girlfriend or whatever. Hank had his side piece. But you had a lot of old people there, and you just don't see that in wrestling anymore. So God bless Bill Watts right there as I tie it back to what he said. Talking about the old people who are, you know, 80-plus years old, sending in their letters to the station and how they love going to the wrestling. A good back-and-forth match, Mike, between Reed and Wrestling 2. Any thoughts about it before we play the audio from the finish? Uh, Watts talked about speaking to JYD lately, and Watts also says JYD is hitting the weights heavy and training to get back at Butch Reed for Butch turning on him. I thought that was interesting. You and I have had a lot of long discussion on the show about JYD's weight for obvious reasons and whatnot, and we've even speculated was Watts really kind of jabbing at JYD or not. Whether he was or wasn't, we will never really know. I don't know at this point, but I just thought it was funny how Watts Again, to make the point, he's bringing it back up. He's bringing back up how JYD is now back in the weight room and and he's heavy in the training, uh, preparing himself for Butch Reed. So I thought that was interesting for him to bring that up again. There's a lot of comments around this period of time about JYD bulking up, JYD hitting the weights. People were noticing. People were noticing that JYD doesn't look the same as he used to. But on that note, let's hear the closing minute of this match. Both men collided, both men on the floor. Rick Ferrara starting the 10 count. Crowd starting the champ, two, 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 two. Wrestling two into the ring. Oh, Reed's not coming into the ring. He's going up on the turnbuckle. Reed wants to hurt wrestling two. Reed spears him off the top turnbuckle, goes for the cover, but Rick Ferrara calls for the bell. That's an automatic disqualification as Reed lays the wood to wrestle too. I don't think Boyd Pierce that Reed was trying to beat him. I think he was trying to hurt him. Because he went up from the outside, never re-entering the ring. Rick Ferreira disqualifies him, awards the match to Mr. Wrestling 2. We'll be back when action resumes after these words. It's a good time to remind everyone that Mil Moscaris did a flying body press off the top rope a few weeks ago on a show. But that was allowed. Butch Reed came off the top rope immediately disqualified after hitting the shoulder block on Mr. Wrestling 2. What do you think about all this? Well, damn you, you stole my thunder because I up <laughs> how Cowboy Bill Watts conveniently doesn't recall what he said when Moscaris came off the top. It was a, a leap or whatever the freaking excuse Watts gave the last time we saw a similar move. He leaped. He fell. I, what, I don't even remember. It, it makes me so angry. He conveniently, all of a sudden now, Reed doesn't do anything different outside of the fact that he hits this man with a shoulder block or tackle off the top rope instead of the quote-unquote crossbody or the dive. It just, you know, just, come on, Watts, be consistent. Anyway, it was a good move, but according to Mid-South's rules, that is a DQ, so he doesn't win there and that's that but you stole my thunder bill watts uh being hypocrite right here is my note that's my main note we get our next match 
Ted DiBiase versus Tim Horner. Joel Armstrong is the referee. It's a good back and forth match. Ted DiBiase wins via power slam. I didn't have any other notes. Well, you know, Horner has had a few wins lately. And, and if you go back to that, I mean, he's actually looked, I'd say, okay and too impressive against some of your mid-card talent. I don't say mid-card, but, you know, your enhancement talent. So Horner has, has kind of been built up as much as a lower-card guy can be built up lately. And, and I kind of thought that Horner right here, he picked back up where he's been lately early in the match. I mean, he, he was giving DiBiase some fits, which I thought was fine. You know, I mean, Horner, for what it's worth, we say it all the time. He was a good wrestler, not good on the mic, but a good wrestler. So I thought he was doing great, but DiBiase eventually caught Horner in the in Eddie Gilbert's old move, the hot shot, and that's when the match turned and DiBiase takes control, and DiBiase ends up hitting Horner with the power slam, and DiBiase ends up winning by pinfall. But uh, all that said, Horner was on fire in the very beginning and, and really, really looked good, and Ted was selling for him. So good little, good little quick TV match right here from uh, Horner and DiBiase. So Horner loses, but... He looked good in the effort. Our next match, the final match from the Irish Bingo Boys Club this week, the North American champion, Junkyard Dog, in a non-title match against Boris Zirkoff, Alfred Neely, the referee. Let's hear some audio from Cowboy Bill Watts. This match doesn't take long. It is the Junkyard Dog. Let's hear what the Cowboy has to say about all this. Did you ever hear about waving a red flag in front of a bull? That's just what Boris Zirkoff's done with that Russian flag. The young bull, the JYD, a man who's just boiling. He says he's just like a man with a toothache. He's full of frustration right now about Butch Reed, Bundy, DiBiase, everything going on, Skandar, Akbar, Kamala, and he's out there to take them apart. Like I say, it's hard to focus when everything is in your intensity level is pointed toward one goal. And I think Reed's made a critical mistake, and I don't think the dog is, has gotten sassy or forgotten where he come I don't think any part of it. I think the dog is working out harder than ever he's gotten smarter and wiser the fact that he makes a few appearances and key things for things that are close to his heart for instance July 23rd in New Orleans he'll be at the San G teen clubs big event at the Rivergate from 9 p.m. to 2 a.m. he was selected by all those teenagers as the athlete they most wanted to appear he out Michael Sphinx the boxing champion he outpolled all the New Orleans Saints that are right there in town. So that can tell you just how popular this guy is all over the Mid-South area. The junkyard Dog will be there at the Rivergate July 23rd for their big get-together. Really proud of that fact. And here, Boris Zirkov against the champion. The champion just leveled him. There he goes. Look at that power. You'd see the size of Zirkov and look at Dog pick him up and thump him with extreme power. He bench pressed 600 pounds. A tremendous athlete, the Junkyard Dog, gains a victory, and we'll be back with more after this word from Mid-South Wrestling Television Network. Well, there it is, the Junkyard Dog with the thump, defeating Boris Zirkov. What are your thoughts, Mike? Oh, I love how Watts definitely brings up the Russian flag there. I thought that was, you know, entertaining nonetheless. I mean, good for him bringing that stuff up and it's russia so we we know watts his thoughts on russia <laughs> when it comes to wrestling back then um you know uh watts claims jyd is more popular than many of the saints players and he even brings up michael spinks i didn't remember that comment i didn't remember i mean i guess i knew michael spinks was popular i was more of a football fan though but i can believe him as it pertains to the saints because in the 83 season i believe they ended up going eight and eight but I mean, prior to that, 81, 82, back to 1980, uh, put it this way, from 80 to 82, those three teams 
they only want to combine nine games. So that tells you um, where they were. Now, one of those seasons was strike shortened season, but still uh, not a very good football team. So, yes, JYD uh, was more popular than many of those folks. And like you said right there, JYD ends up winning. I thought you, again, can see the weight on JYD right here, though. It's can still he's still adding the pounds as you watch that match back. We close the show with a very interesting segment, something that we would see more of and hear more of in 1984, 1985 on Mid-South and Power Pro Wrestling. Bill Watts mentions how some of the viewers may have seen Iron Mike Sharp tearing it up in New York on TV and then shoots the footage from Houston, Texas of, we saw this on TV months ago, I think it's from the end of 82, Iron Mike Sharp versus Kamala and Kamala just destroying Iron Mike Sharp. It isn't that they played the clip, this old clip of the match. It's that it began with Watts saying, well, you may see him doing these great things on New York TV. Look at what he did here. Iron Mike Sharp was placed really well on the cards in Mid-South Wrestling, but we would see this again. We would see this, I think, with Tito Santana. We would see this with the Iron Sheik. As the WWF in 1984 expands, Bill Watts would take footage of these guys working in Houston or Mid-South Wrestling and use it on TV to show that the wrestlers in Mid-South were better than the wrestlers in the WWF. Yeah, he would selectively use the clips of them being beat down pretty good instead of the successful stuff. Because, I mean, Sharp was a champion. I mean, he was a, he was one of the state champions, so he, he held belts. I mean, he was a, a good mid-card talent. You wouldn't know that if you just saw this clip here because he's, well, like to the, your point, Watts is selectively and conveniently taking a match where Kamala just beats the crap out of him and he doesn't get any offense in. So, hey, man, welcome to Bill Watts' um, fight with the North, if I can say it like that. Did you get WOR Channel 9 in New Orleans? No, we didn't get that. Okay. That's out of Secaucus, New Jersey, but it was a big New York channel. That had the Mets, it had WWF wrestling, had various things that people outside of the area saw because it was one of the first superstations. But I didn't know if you got it. Because, I mean, him talking about Iron Mike Sharp and how people saw him on New York TV, I was wondering if that's where they would have seen him. So the only thing I can think of that Bill Watts would be talking about right there, because I, I didn't have cable at this time, but I knew people that had it, and they would have mentioned that to me. Um, the only thing I can think is... um on satellite, obviously, they would have gotten, you know, WOR. But the the only super stations that I remember getting for cable were TBS and WGN, even even with our cable system when we eventually did get it. So I I do not think that this would have I'm I'm ninety-nine point nine 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 percent certain the only way you would have got WOR is from the satellite. Well, with that, we wrap up another episode of the Mid South Wrestling Television Review Podcast. Want to remind you, you can follow me on Twitter at GreatBrianLast. You can follow the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network on Twitter at SuperPodcasts or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Arcadian Vanguard. You can hear me on the 605 Super Podcast at 605pod.com or available wherever it is that you find your favorite podcasts. Mike, how can the listeners stay in touch with you and booking the territory? Come check us out at tinyurl.com slash bttpod. We are just wrapping up, or we just wrapped up our Smoky Mountain Wrestling recaps a couple of weeks ago. 
But in our, you know, in our history on that tinyurl.com slash BTT pod feed, or when you search book in the territory, wherever you get your podcast from, you will find all 200 episodes of our Smoky Mountain recaps. We have covered the entire promotion, just like Brian and I do here with Mid-South, but we finished it. Episode one, all the way to 200, we completed of our Smoky Mountain wrestling recaps. We also do on Thursday nights, our NWA on Saturday night TBS recaps drop. Uh, right now, we're up to February of 1989 on those shows, going into March at this stage. So you can check that out. Those drop every single Thursday, again, at tinyurl.com slash bttpod, or just search Book in the Territory wherever you get your podcast from. And you can give me a follow on Twitter at Mike504Saints. I'd appreciate it. Another fun little short episode, Brian, but still fun nonetheless. Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, we are told at the very end of this week, too, one quick note that Boyd and Watts, when they were wrapping it up, they promised Dr. Death again next week. So let's stay tuned to see if that happens. The Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. Your producer is Jace Nacarado. For Mike Mills, I'm the great Brian Last. Tally-ho!